Hello, and welcome to episode 207 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me tonight are my wonderful hosts, Spirit and Shongaku. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hello. Uh, it, it, it goes. I invited my significant other to be on the show about five seconds ago. Oh, is that going to happen? No. Okay, I see. Uh, I mean, you know, it can happen. But anyway, uh, how are you doing tonight, Shongaku, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. I was a bit frustrated at a puzzle I was doing, and then I solved it, and I felt better about myself. Okay, all right. Good, good. Uh, And I, for the record, am doing well also. We had planned to do an episode, one more episode before the expansion, but then real life happened, and I lost my internet for a week, and all sorts of horrible things that are unmentionables. So at this point, now the expansion's launched, and we can just go straight into that. For the spoiler warnings this episode, uh, we are going to... I think we're not going to talk about the story at all. Is that correct? Yeah. That's the plan. I don't think so. And then we're pretty much going to try and limit our discussion mostly to the first map. Although I think we're going to be talking about mounts in a general fashion, which will probably mean that we'll talk about all or at least most of the mounts. So I'm not going to do spoiler warnings for anything else in this episode. That's what we're going to talk about. So there you go. But we have a ton of stuff to talk about, and I'm sure we're going to record several really long episodes in a row. So, you know, everybody's in for a treat, including us and our vocal cords. So (laughs) what is the first thing either of you guys like to talk about? Uh, There's so much. Uh, Let's do we want to touch on the getting to the place or do we want to hold that off for discussing the story itself? getting to uh, I mean let's let's just let's just leave that till story because it is a mission and there's stuff to talk about so I mean yeah I I expect anybody listening to this has already heard it but at some it's sort of like I don't know there's not much to say you know you get on an airship <laughs> yeah there's there's some cool dialogue with a few people but other than that yeah you get on an airship you go to you go to or and by or I mean Elona yeah yeah uh, I'm going to say that that passes spoiler the muster. The Crystal Desert? Yeah, that place. Well, the Crystal the, Desert is Northern Alona. So, anyway. Um, I'm firing on all cylinders this evening. So <laughs> okay. uh, Maybe I should go and get more uh, caffeine. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> that's great. No, it's fine. Let's talk about... Okay, so I one thing that I... let's actually This is actually the very first thing that I noticed when the expansion launched... I loved that we could instantly buy up our training for our new specializations without having to do a story component. We could just, it just said, hey, you've got points to spend and here's a scourge line or, you know, insert your specialization line here. Uh, Do you want to spend it? And I just got to be, uh, you know, Necro is my main, obviously. And so I had all the skill points from Heart of Thorns and that was enough to fully unlock the line. And I believe actually... They patched it since then, so it takes even fewer points than I than it took before. Um, so for me, that was awesome. I know that I like. I think some people might have preferred there to be sort of a story mission involving it, but for me personally, it's that's sort of like the meat of. It's not the meat of the expansion, but it's a really big factor because it goes outside of the expansion. You can take your new professions uh, or specializations everywhere, and so. It was just really cool to be able to do that first tutorial intro mission 
as the new specialization already. Um, did you guys like that? I know, Eric, you were a little bit sort of... So, I was expecting there to be an actual... I would have liked a lore reason to get it in the desert, just because it, it was kind of weird in the first in hot where it's just like oh okay all of a sudden you are these you have these powers um and it would be kind of nice i mean there's sort of a lore reason why your character has the skills that they have when they first create their character uh when you first create your character uh and but there's not really a reason why all of a sudden oh you're a reaper now uh and it's not there's not really a like in world reason for why oh you're a scourge now uh or whatever you know profession combo you play but let's be honest it's scourge uh, yeah, everyone should be playing Scourge, especially from what I've been hearing of just how rough everything else apparently is to play through as. <laughs> well, I haven't heard much. We we can talk about that a little bit later. How about you, Spirit? Was was that a a big thing for you? Kind of didn't care. Um, yeah, it was kind of a big thing for me. I expected, um, I guess rightfully so, a lot of people to ask me how to play all of the new builds immediately, um, and <laughs> that came to pass. So. <laughs> Uh, I had been doing a bit of prep before the expansion, looking at uh, raid builds because they they had given us um, through through the demos, through the previews, um, and through data mining. Basically, we have been able to see all the class abilities beforehand. Um, so I had been prepared on that front, but then also I had kind of thought ahead and went, "Well, I can't." You know, I personally don't expect them to to have a higher uh, hero point requirement than 250. So I went out and got 250 hero points on one of each profession. So I was ready, able to do it right away. And that was great because as soon as it came out, we realized we could, you know, unlock them all right away. I just went through and did it on all my characters and I got a ton of achievement points, which is huge because I don't get achievement points anymore. Holy crap. And uh, the other thing was I had all the collections open right away which feels really good because as I go through, I find these things. Like collections uh, were, were like an afterthought in Corteria, and they weren't really great in Heart of Thorns. And I have some opinions that I'll get to later on them in Path of Fire, but overall it feels much better to unlock collections and complete collections naturally rather than having them come at the end. And then it's like, okay, here's your obligatory replayable content go back and do all these things you've just done to unlock these things like it was nice to have that all from the beginning yeah i totally agree with that um i i actually don't think that i was able to do it on all of the professions because i did not do as much homework as you did but on all of my main classes at least i was able to unlock most if not all of the specialization and do the same thing because the that is a huge deal for me I do remember being really frustrated in Hot when it's like, oh, this drops from, you know, say an ore node, and every specialization wants it, and also you need a, a mastery for it, and it's like, okay, well, like, I could have had that ages ago, but I didn't, but like, I did them, you know, one right after another, and so then I had to keep going back and doing it, and <clears throat> it's really nice to be able to just start you know, just start the game fresh and have all that stuff. So, yeah, uh, that was that was really nice for me. Uh, for the record, I guess uh, Eric and I are both playing uh, Scourges at the moment, and you are mostly playing Deadeye, right? Yeah, I've played a fair amount of uh, the Pistol Pistol open world Deadeye build. 
Um, I am just now starting to branch out into some other classes. Uh, Firebrand is next on the list for me. Yeah, uh, how's everybody liking their main, or their at least their their first uh, specialization? Eric? Scourge is really good. Uh, I it it matches my playstyle more than I think Reaper did, because uh, I'm not necessarily so much of an in-your-face sort of player. I prefer to sort of sit in the background and like manage things. I like being a manager of things such as sand shades. Sure. So it's it's kind of nice to have that on Necro again. I it's not quite minion master, which I have an idea now of what I would love minion master to be. Uh, but we will save that for another time. But yeah, Scourge is really really interesting. The barriers are a fascinating mechanic that I have had a lot of fun. It is intriguing to play Necro from a little bit more losing life shroud or Death Shroud, is pretty significant from just a survivability standpoint, so that it's interesting to sort of learn what new tools Necros have to sit there and just keep taking punishment. And the barrier is a really fascinating thing because it is a little bit more active than Death Shroud. Using Death Shroud and dancing effectively was a, definitely a part of Necro, but these barriers almost feel like a little mini Death Shrouds that you get that you can throw on really quick, and they only last for a little bit of time. And so it's been interesting to play around with that and sort of figure out how to do that effectively. Yeah. What uh, what type of build are you running? Like, what's your... You don't so, need to give me every trait, but... So I fell into the one that uh, if you've been... Fought, if, if anyone's been looking for the QT build that just came out, that's basically what I ran from the beginning. Uh, so it's uh, Curses, Death Shroud, and then Scourge, of course. And... I've been sort of... By Death the Shroud, main... do you mean Death Magic, or do you mean Soul Reaping? I mean Soul Reaping, so Death Shroud build. Shroud okay. shroud trait, the one that looks like a Shroud guy, which is Soul Reaping. So yeah, Soul Reaping and Curses has been my bread and butter, which has been... Re it's been really... It's been very successful. Uh, I have... I swapped in Death for a little bit just to see what it would be like and didn't like it went back to uh soul reaping uh but it has worked really well for me uh i have also done i have swapped like tankiness depending on if i'm traveling with people if i'm with someone i'll generally i'll swap a few traits around to give me more damage and then when i'm soloing i've got a few like i'm using the grandmaster curses trait that heals you for the condition damage that you're outputting which yeah. is is very helpful i have found so um, that is that's what I've been running, and then I'm running the full vipers basically stat wise with runes of crate, which I stuck on before the expansion hit. But it's looking like there is a weird hybrid that you want to increase your condi duration that may end up being the the meta as far as we know now. Sure. What? And I never I know that we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but. What's the what's the correlation between like say shroud skill one and your sand shades? Because I still never quite figured that out. So if it says your uh, so they've I think they've adjusted the text a little bit and it says if you hit F one that it says your F one death your F one uh, skill will trigger X Y Z. Like for example, dropping a sand shade will grant vulnerability on enemies. 
So if it's if it says shroud skill one, that's your F one skill now. Uh, if it says when you enter shroud, that's your F five skill. Gotcha. Uh, so enter shroud is on the F five, and then everything else is based off of uh, it's it'll say like shroud skill one does this. So I've got doom fire. So shroud skill one, when I drop a sand shade, it it burns everyone in the area and it causes vulnerability as well. And so you can stack up a lot of vulnerability very quickly. Gotcha. Which hmm. is pretty cool. Okay. I'll have to take I've a look at that. Been, yeah. Because uh, I, I was running sort of a mini-ne build, but not, like, just sort of because I wasn't sure how that other stuff interacted, and I didn't, I just sort of wanted to get right down to business. It um, does not, this this does not synergize with minions very well, I Well, no, I mean, it wouldn't. I was running, I was running death um, okay, because yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, which was actually working out pretty well, too, but I haven't tested this, so. All right, good news. Uh, that, my time to kill was a lot lower when I swapped out a death. Sure. Not okay. sure if that's if you care that much about time to kill, but it is it's helpful in this area with when things have a lot of health. Sure. Uh Spirit, what about you? What's your so you said you're using the pistol pistol build? I assume this yeah, is Yeah, so Trickery, Deadly Arts, uh Deadeye, and then Pistol Pistol. I've experimented a bit with the off weapon. I kind of settled on pistol or rather, uh, dagger pistol, not pistol dagger. Because, boy, is there a heck of a lot of things that reflect in this expansion, and sometimes I just end up shooting myself <laughs> in the face and dying immediately. Uh-huh. So Deadeye's got a couple interesting things that make a pistol pistol work better than it has before. I mean, pistol pistol has just gotten a lot of buffs in general since Heart of Thorns came out, which has been great because it wasn't really a good set before that. Um, but now you can pop your dead eyes mark on something and then you get 3% damage per, per, uh, stack of dead eyes mark. So pop your dead eyes mark and then you get an F2 skill, which is like you stole to them. Use that to get boons and conditions on the enemies and then unload and you get quickness and might from the dead eye trait. So you unload with quickness and then you get might from unloading and you get fury from, stealing because of trickery so you start out with a whole bunch of boons and if you kill the target which usually happens for normal mobs it's in one to two unloads tops uh everything refreshes so you just tap target to the next thing so it doesn't have much aoe but the burst potential is pretty damn high so you just kind of churn through things and especially uh if you've got someone to stand on the front line like a partner in crime scourge uh you are you get off very well so i've just been running my my straight berserker um scholar rune thief armor that i had on my daredevil my my raid daredevil gear and that has been uh perfectly effective in the open world so that's been it's been a lot of fun to run that i mean i think a lot of people have been looking for a gunslinger style for a long time and now that there's a couple uh interesting options for gunslinger on thief that's pretty cool i know that style definitely has always appealed to me and always felt very weak in until now obviously um so that's good to hear i will say this about the uh scourge i actually feel stronger when the more enemies come at me because i can throw more general condies out there i've actually been in fights where the more where i like take on more guys than i think i should and i've actually healed up because of the condies on heal thing with an epidemic yeah epidemic (laughs) with that is really gross when you start especially if other people are around too because then you get an epidemic their conditions and they become yours 
So having a Scourge frontline, Scourge is definitely like if you can pull a lot of things, Scourge frontline is pretty fabulous. If you have someone that can pick off the like high health targets while the Scourge is just destroying all the little minions. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys want to just move right into mounts and masteries or do we want to talk about the map first or do we want to start talking about them in conjunction with one another? Uh, I think, I I think maybe talk about just the general. They do kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, often, it's kind of yeah. hard to talk about one without the other because so much of this is designed around around the map, the min, the minions, the mounts, words. Yeah, um, I don't know, Spirit. You have why don't you why don't you launch into something? Uh, I guess I'll talk about Amnoon because I. I've had a lot of fun in and around Amnoon. Um, it is. It feels a lot more spacious than uh, old cities that we've had that are kind of uh, out in the open world. So an example would be Terrier, technically considered a city. Evanhawk, also a city, but not an instant city like the racial capitals. Um, I like the Amnoon the best of all of them because it feels like a city. There's a lot of things going on there. Um that aren't necessarily combat. It was a thing that I liked a lot about Labyrinthine Cliffs back in the day when that was a thing where it was a it was a like a city area. There were a lot of events going on, but it wasn't just, oh my god, we're being invaded again, push back the enemies, blah blah. blah. Like waves of enemies all the time. Like there's all kinds of stuff going on in and around Amnoon that's not that kind of thing. Which is nice, just to get that kind of variety. Um, so the race around Amnoon is so much fun. Um, I love I love doing that whenever I can, um, and just absolutely smashing fools who have just come into the expansion and don't have any masteries yet with my uh, top level raptor. Yeah, way to pick on the noobs. Jeez, I know I'm the worst. Literally. But it also it it displays your name over the whole zone. So there was like like one time we were we were getting ready to go into a story instance with a whole party and I was halfway through the race and I was like no I'm not I'm not ready yet and then I got to the end and it broadcast uh, spirit faces in first place to the whole zone and I was like okay I'm ready I didn't even stay to get my rewards I just wanted the the zone wide announcement first you wanted everybody to recognize how how unfairly ahead of them you were and how much yep. of a noob crusher you were yeah okay yep absolutely as long as you're not trying to hide from it uh <laughs> Yeah, I did the I did the raptor race on the very first day, and there was hardly anybody doing it. And then I came by later, and there were so many people there. Like the races uh, vary in number of participants. It seems quite wildly. Yeah, actually, so uh, not specifically with the race, but that was something I wanted to talk about at some point. Was uh, I found it very hit and miss, like whether there are people around for events compared to how it has been in the past. It seems like. Uh, you know, I don't know this for sure yet. It's just my initial impressions. But it seems like maybe the map population is a little bit too low for the size of the maps for things to get done as much as I'd expect them to do. Which I'm not... I feel like I haven't experienced enough of the expansion to give a, a clear answer on whether that's a good or bad thing. So on, on one hand, um, I've kind of not liked that things aren't getting done. On the other hand, one thing I've kind of complained about in the past is feels like a lot of times in Guild Wars, you aren't really incentivized to group up with like players from your guild at any point because you can go out, 
and things are just getting done. So right. I'm, I'm, I've kind of enjoyed thus far um, saying, oh, I want to go out and do such and such. Hey, does anyone want to help me? I'm going out, you know, away from this waypoint and stuff. I think the bigger maps um, have kind of changed my perception of like, it, it seems better to adventure with like two or three people than just solo, but still possible to do solo. And I think that feels good to me so far is that we've reached a nice balance of uh, things that you can accomplish with like with a small group versus things that you need a big group for or can just do solo. So I think it's a little bit too early to like give those kind of comments, but that's my initial perception. Um, there are a few events that I've really wanted to complete that I haven't been able to, like the um, out in the east of Oasis, there's a Hydra event where you have to lasso it. You need like at least three people, I think, to lasso it, maybe six. I've just never been able to do that because I've never... Six oh, people yeah. in that area. Yeah, I've come across Actually, it once or twice, but never. That's interesting with because the lasso events are a pretty like they use that mechanic in quite a few different areas, which I found interesting. There's a few different events like that. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of enemies. <clears throat> excuse me. There's a lot of enemies that seem to run away and have you chase them in various forms in this expansion. That yeah, that is that is accurate. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because it may be a technological limitation in terms of map caps. Like, uh, map caps may not be set purely based on uh, sort of the ideal density. They may be based a lot more on server load density and um, those types of things. And so there, that may be a case where, you know, the map cap is maybe the same size, but with the map being twice as big or three times as big as a normal map, then that means that people are more spread out, uh, especially because it seems like there are not very many uh, meta events in this <clears throat> expansion, which I guess we can talk about that some. Um, but there's there seem to be fewer big events that draw everybody into just one place. Um, at least that's sort of been my experience. Does that sort of jive with your... Feelings. Yeah, I think that that is accurate. I think there's a few things that are leading to it. I think that a lot of the people who are currently in the expansion, uh, there is the element of they want to get through the story pretty quick. So I think there is a lot of people just powering through the story right now to avoid spoilers. And I think that there are some incentives after the story that a lot of people are trying to power through because they want that. So I wonder if it's maybe that there's just a really strong focus on that right now within the community rather than going through and focusing on exploring the open world and completing events. Uh, yeah, the, there's probably a lot of factors, really. I mean, there's I'm sure there's no singular answer. Um, um, before we move on, relating to the map cap populations, uh, Tears of Bauer, who is one of the map designers at ArenaNet, had a huge hand in developing all the maps of this expansion, um, has tweeted a few maps and different sort of behind-the-scenes things about the development of the different maps. One of the things she talked about is, uh, just kind of in passing, uh, somebody asked her if we could ever have bigger maps, and she said something about uh, not being able to raise the map population too much, so it'd just be too big. Um, but the maps she actually tweeted were pretty cool. There was one about um, all the different like palette colors she used for Oasis. And then there was another one that um, kind of laid out how, how they developed different areas to be suitable to different mounts. So very interesting stuff on Twitter if you want to go check that out. 
Yeah, I should definitely do that sometime. <clears throat> so yeah, those are a pretty. Those are an interesting. And it's also interesting that uh, the flow, too, because the flow through the maps was one thing she talked about a lot, and that was go north and then go south, which was an interesting sort of flow compared to normal. Yeah, I like that. Now that we're sort of talking about maps and map flow, I think that it was a very smart move, similar to giving us our specializations right away, that the very first thing that we do is get our mounts, uh, at least our first mounts. And I really like the way that they've done the mounts and the masteries in this expansion compared to Heart of Thorns. I think that it's clear that Mm. they've um, learned some things in the process because... I think it's a lot better to I, I really like this idea of sort of sort of having your trial, your dry run with uh your mount before you actually gain it, where you just like talk to one in the wild and then it lets you um you get to ride it and use its abilities and then you use that to complete a heart. And then once you complete that heart, then you just get the mount. I mean you have to pay for it a trivial amount, but uh you just get the mount and you just have that ability and you gain it quite quickly. Whereas in Heart of Thorns, like you don't start out with lighting. You don't start out with mushroom jumping. You don't start out with any of the functional abilities that we get. Uh, you have to basically unlock the mastery line and then dump experience into it. And then you get like a functional ability and then you level it up a few times and then you get sort of a functional add-on to that ability. Whereas here, you just sort of get it. You get the basic functionality pretty quickly uh, in the process and then from there you know you put you put some mastery points into it and its abilities get better but you still have that baseline functional ability right off the bat and i think that was a really positive change have you guys have you guys noticed that yeah i'm a little sorry no go for it i'm not quite sure how i feel about that yet um on one hand it's really good on another hand it kind of felt like well what's even the point of giving this this tier one one where everything near needs the tier three mastery so you like once you get it it's like well what even good is this mount until i get it leveled up to tier three but on the other hand it's it's pretty easy to get everything to tier three the the experience barriers are all way lowered uh experience gain seems super fast i ground out i got a new mount uh yesterday no yeah yesterday and I, this morning i ground out the whole mastery line for it in about 20 minutes how did so, you pull that off? Exploration XP. Holy bonkers wow. crap. If you've got, um, like, if you just pile on your XP boosters, uh, if you go to the wiki, there's a table on the experience page that shows you all of the various ways you can boost your XP gain. So I just threw on banners, boosters, uh, my amulet, whatever I had, and I went and I killed yellow mobs, basically, or just normal trash mobs. Um, and got about a million XP in twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah, they it man. gives like twelve k per per enemy that you kill. Yeah, that is sort of a related point. I also wanted to bring up, which is is really good that you mentioned it. Is I I also really like that they have greatly reduced the XP burden. I guess I would say, and also to a certain extent, the mastery point burden um, to getting these masteries, especially to getting you know, I, like you said, tier three seems to be the point that everybody cares about, so to speak. Um, because it's where you get your um, you get your upgraded mount ability, and so like the tier fours are all nice, but eh, you know it, what you really want is the tier three on every mount, and 
it's not that hard to get the tier three on every mount. And it's also not that hard if you're sort of just doing map exploration and doing the story sort of at the same rate that you're doing it to get all of those masteries and just never really be mastery point blocked either. So I, the whole experience just in general is a lot better for me. But I also do want to talk about the fact that they give you a mount, and aside from the Raptor, a lot of them feel not that useful until you get their tier 3. I mean, the Raptor you get because it's faster, and it's always faster, so at the very least, that's that's something. But Eric, how do you feel about that? That, like, you get the mounts, but they're, you know, especially some of the later ones, it's like the only use you have for them is their tier 3 version of their upgrade. So, actually, I use the... Uh... I'm not sure that that's necessarily completely accurate from how I've been using them. I use them pretty interchangeably just because the speed that you cruise through a zone isn't that important. Uh, at least for me, because I'm always getting sidetracked. So if I'm going really fast, it's I guess I get to the new thing that's going to sidetrack me faster. So I And I just like sort of looking at it. So from that perspective, like being on a Raptor is, is nice, but I actually use it less than I use the Jackal or Springer. Uh, because the Jackal gives me some interesting recovery uh, and evasion that you don't necessarily get on the other on the other mounts. And the Springer gives you the ability to go up high. So I actually use the those two probably more than I use the Raptor. Actually, yeah, significantly more. So that's not been necessarily my experience. Uh, my my experience hasn't necessarily matched up exactly with yours in that in that. And I will say that. Uh, it will be interesting to see as they if they do add mounts or if there's additional mounts in the game, uh, how that affects things uh, from a from a optimal mount standpoint. Because I feel like there's there's some things that could be significant, uh, some significant things that they could do with mounts that might radically change like why use any other mounts. I find that it really is not interesting just jumping across the canyon. I find it really interesting that you say that though because like for me the amount of times I need to jump up really high is like I I do have to do it but it's like then once you're up there you kind of don't need to jump up really high for at least in my experience a lot of the time and the rabbit feels like it goes significantly slower than the raptor and you mentioned the the dodging capability of the jackal but to me just the dis the sheer distance and speed that you jump on the raptor with once it has its tier three mastery like i almost never get knocked off of that sucker because you can just jump so like you can just jump so far and they you basically can break their aggro tether every time you jump and so yeah that, i i think that's really interesting that you've been using the jackal so much more um although especially yeah, I was actually really shocked that the Jackal couldn't use those portals at, at Tier 1. Like, I thought that was kind of the whole point of the Jackal, was yeah, to that use was those stupid portals. Point. The yeah. interesting thing is, is the uh, teleport actually drops aggro. Okay. Really? It's like, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it, it. well, I'm not sure if it drops, drops aggro. It drops targeting. Uh, so the guys target where you were, but they don't immediately update their targeting I've seen to where you are, which mm -hmm. is really helpful. Although stupid Hydras just fire everywhere. That is what they do. Uh, 
I mean, I'm not angry at them because this is basic. They're basically like they were in Guild Wars 1 where it's just like suddenly fire from the sky. Uh, yeah, um, we we talked about this in the show notes, but Spirit, do, does it, it was mostly Eric and I talking about it. I was saying that I felt like like the Raptor almost feels like the quote main mount and because of like the ubiquity of the speed buff and the long distance jump. And then I just find myself switching out to the other mounts when their special ability becomes relevant. Like, if I need to jump high, I just switch to the rabbit for, you know, one or two or three jumps. And then just switch back to the raptor because, again, like, going slow feels bad. <laughs> like, the whole point of the mount mm-hmm. kind of is to, is to go fast. And so it's really weird. Well, I don't know if it's weird, but it feels like I, I was likening it to a Zelda game where you sort of... The, the mounts are performing sort of like Zelda tools, like the hookshot, where you just... Or the hammer, right? Where the... Like, the hammer looks like a weapon, uh, but you really only use it when there's something to smash, right? And not mm-hmm. actually in combat. And, like, the hookshot also has theoretically combat ability, but you generally can do better with without it. And so what it really is more like is you have your normal your normal gear and then you're like oh there's a canyon i need to cross i better whip out my one tool for that or like oh there's a there's a peg i need to smash i better whip out my tool for that and so while we're using mounts all the time it feels like i mean even even though eric's using different mounts i would wager the the play style is similar in that there's sort of your main mount and then there's sort of just your utility tool mounts and that i think that surprises me uh, or su- surprises me based on what my expectations were going in. How does that how does that gel with your playstyle observations and and such? Yeah, um, I've kind of noticed the same thing. Uh, definitely, when I want to get somewhere fast across the map, I always pick the raptor, um, which is a bit of a bummer because I want to be able to use more than one mount to get places. Um, definitely feeling like I've been using the rabbit. Uh, more sparingly. Uh, I think I use the skimmer more than a lot of people because of the hover. So uh, I, I have a question do... about that, about yeah, the sure. hover on the skimmer. Um, because I've been watching some videos. And it, can you dodge while you're on the skimmer to get like a short speed boost or something? Because I don't know what's going on there, but it feels like I've been seeing like weird speed boosts from the skimmer. Uh, I don't think so. The, the skimmer active is the barrel roll. Uh, the Jackal Tier 4 Mastery, actually, when you're using an ability on your mounts, uh, makes them evade. So, like, the Raptor really long leap, if you have Tier 4 Jackal, evades the whole time, which is bonkers. Yeah, it's like a crazy dodge. Oh, yeah, once I get Tier 4 Jackal, that will maybe change my opinion on the Raptor. Yeah, so I don't know if that's what you're seeing. Uh, but I've been using it to as like a pseudo raptor to hover between cliffs. I don't think it can make it quite as far as the raptor, but it has a higher elevation. So I've been doing that a bit on the skimmer. Um, I generally find them kind of hard to control in small spaces. So a lot of times I just dismount as well, if I can make it somewhere on my own. Uh, I haven't been using gliding hardly at all, but I've used a small amount of it when there's like tiny platforms when I don't want to fall into the abyss. Oh god, landing on tiny vistas and then like dismounting and plummeting to your death is... Ugh. 
yeah i can understand why that would be yeah it does take a little bit to be like oh oh hey i need to i need to adjust as i'm dismounting like i need to actually like use my jump movement skills while i'm dismounting which is a fascinating element similarly uh what i find a lot especially with the rabbit but that's just because of like what you are designed to pull the rabbit out for is that i often will be jumping up somewhere and i like jump up sideways and then i just instinctively try and strafe in the air and instead of strafing you like move in a diagonal arc which means that i just arc my jump which like it takes me forward and sideways and then i'll like completely miss what i was going for if it's just going straight up not like going up and forward and then i'll just like plummet to my well to my rabbit's death i guess because um you know your mount absorbs your falling damage but uh it it doesn't completely it doesn't totally irritate me that mounts can't strafe but man when you're doing it in the air and you're trying to just like move a little bit horizontally it really gets me that's one reason that i do like the jackal as well is you can you can basically redirect the jackal in midair super easily with its teleport ability which which is quite nice but that's not but that's not like the case i'm talking about like that's that's when you want to be moving forward i don't have a problem with it when i want to be moving forward the problem is when i only want to move sideways a little bit and then, uh, like, to just readjust yeah and like the way you really should do it is turn your camera and then press forward which is kind of clunky but um yeah anyway uh, it, it's gotten me several times and i i shouted at my computer and my wife laughed at me so i you know, at least i'm doing something that somebody finds funny <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep it serious yeah yeah i've also been a victim of the bunny's big norn feet I mean, you should be used to that by now, though, right? You would think, but at least my Norn can walk sideways. This is true. This is true. Uh, I gotta say, I love that you can dye these mounts. That's, uh, I, I love it. I don't remember if we ever talked about it before or if we knew, but I, I still love it. All my, all my mounts are pink or magenta. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I was really excited about that. And I don't want to give the impression that I'm not still excited about it but i'm pretty disappointed that we only got one die channel yeah yeah i think you can do better arena net and yeah. i still enjoy it but uh i would enjoy it much more if we had at least two die channels how much do you want to bet that any theoretically forthcoming or forthcoming <sighs> rather uh gem store mounts are gonna have multiple die channels i expect that fully i just i would like i don't want a, I don't want a glider situation, right? Where like, well, I, I have my normal glider, and then I have my uber, my uber spoopy glider with bones and particle effects, and that has four die channels. But I can't have just my nor. I just want my normal bunny, but I want like a white one instead of a half red, half purple one. And the, yeah, you have to. Yeah, admit, so at I least hope these we get like looks, the default mounts. Look super cool compared to the base glider. The yes. base glider oh, is a travesty. These at least look pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Die channels I'm, aside. I'm on the same page there. Yeah. Uh, did you guys know, I? it was funny because I was sort of complaining to my wife about it, but I, because I thought it didn't work uh, due to sort of a UI glitch. Did you know that you can mount your skimmer from, uh, from in the water, like on the surface of the water? 
Yeah. Um, Does it tell you yeah. that and I just didn't read? Uh, I, remember I am not certain how I knew that. So I remember that they actually, if you watched one of the, whatchamacallits, one of the videos that they published about mounts during Mount Week, they actually specifically stated that, yes, you can mount it while you're swimming. Oh, uh, I didn't so that's, watch that's where I promos. picked that up. So I was like, oh, this will be nice. But uh, I know that most of the mounts have the water does not work symbol on them. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that isn't really advertise, uh, really broadcast in game, is it? Uh, no, and I didn't watch any of the the promo leading up week uh, videos, mostly because I kind of wanted to just go in unspoiled, and partly because of internet woes. So there's probably a few things like that that everybody else is going, uh, yeah, duh, and I just did not uh, did not know about. But it's good to know. So yeah, there's definitely a few things with mounts that are really uh not well telegraphed like the fact that if you hold down your raptors jump you jump farther and i got a lot of people in the first instance <laughs> who were asking in guild chat the first day i don't understand how i'm seeing people leap across these gaps i'm just doing a little hippie hop or for that matter that any form of jumping uses uh uses up stamina and so when you are out of stamina you just basically only jump the shortest little hobbit jump uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did not. That was something that I ran into during the demo weekend, I think, was I was just like, why am I sometimes jumping super far? And it, I was holding it, but it was that I was holding it and then running out of stamina. And then, like, I didn't quite understand the correlation because I wasn't spamming jump like you, you know, like I do now. Um, <clears throat> has anybody warmed up on engage skills or are we all pretty much feeling the same as we did when we first talked about them, which was I thought that they were sort of a gimmick, and Eric liked them and Spirit didn't care. I still like them. Uh, I don't use them ever for what they are intended. I literally use them for like, if I feel like it. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, Bunny, just do your cannonball thing. And uh, and I'll do that. And then usually I use it for humor. There's been a few times where I've done it. Uh, actually, the jackal one is kind of fun because it gives you a barrier when you use it. So sometimes if I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be a little bit tougher, I will switch to jackal if I feel like it and open with a barrier to sort of avoid any like initial damage that the thing might throw at me, which hasn't really been necessarily like a game changer, but it is kind of nice, especially if you get some abilities. Like if I... I was experimenting with, uh, I ran a mission, I did a mission that was, what was it? Oh, oh, I helped someone get, grab their guild hall, and I experimented with my, uh, with my scourge and some damage and, like, certain, th- and doing things like, uh, like, boon sharing, and so using the jackal's ability seemed helpful. I'm not sure if it was necessarily that helpful to the team by giving them buffs, but, yeah, it gave me a little bit of might. Spirit, how about you? Do you have you have you warmed up on them? Do you like them more or do you still not care? Uh I guess I I'm indifferent positive. I mean, I I still feel that it wouldn't have been a huge deal if they weren't included, but I do like um for the most part using them. The Raptor and what's the other Springer both have CCs on it, so it's a nice initiation to like just get everything uh it, it's a nice transition from being on your mount to being in combat where you can kind of get the jump on things um, and make sure that they're not going to hit you while you're kind of in that 
transforming out of your mount period. Uh, the jackal as well, the barrier kind of serves the same function where it gives you just a little bit of a leeway going in. The skimmer one is interesting in that it heals your allies and if, if master masterized, I don't know, uh, helps revive them. But I'm never, like, I'm never coming on a skimmer to things. So, like, like in my head, the, the intended purpose of that would be, like, you're getting to a med event and you see a bunch of people down and you go, woo-woo-woo, barrel roll through them and, re and res all of them on your skimmer, right? But if I'm running across the map trying to get to that event that's far away from me, I'm going to be on my raptor because I'm trying to get there fast. So I'm not going to wait, like, hop on my skimmer so I can res a few people when I get there. So th that one doesn't sell me as much as the others. Um, but I've, for the most part, enjoyed them. Fair enough. Uh, I so do not care about them that I cannot tell you the percentage of the time that I engage into a fight by dismounting instead of using my engage skill. I'm just like, oh, it's fighting time. Better, better press the dismount key. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I guess I had a skill for that. I, okay. And I don't feel like I've missed anything. Fair enough. Um... I don't know. It's not really something that makes me upset. You know, I, I don't really care. It's just sort of, uh, I mean, like I said, it just sort of doesn't do anything for me. But while we're on the topic of mount skills, we were talking about that it is kind of clunky to switch between them. And uh, an, again, another pro tip for some people out there, because I didn't realize it at first, you can make separate keybinds for each mount. So you don't have to use the... Um, I call it a drop down, but you know, it goes up, but the drop up, so to speak, menu to switch between them because holy moly, that got old really quick. Um, and while having keybinds for them makes it faster, it still feels really clunky to have to dismount and then remount every time that you want to do it, especially when you're using them in the way that we described earlier with sort of using them like a, an individual tool rather than like using the one that you quote like the most. So, you know, it feels it feels kind of clunky to be rolling around on your Raptor and be like, okay, I got a high jump, better press X and then better press my other keybind for my, my rabbit. And then now I'm up here. Okay, well, now I'm on a flat plane again, better press X again, then I'll press mount again. Uh, and I really feel like it's a missed opportunity to have not made that an ability that was bound or was just bound to the other um blank skills that mm -hmm. you are on your skill bar like if you're only going to have one mount skill uh on the number one there's nine other skill bar buttons that could have gone to mounts and there's only a couple more mounts in the first place and i don't know i i feel like that would have made a really nice I just feel like it would have made them feel a lot smoother, and I think it's kind of kind of too bad that it's sort of clunky this way. And I can't really think of a balance reason that you have to like that they want to make you switch out mounts like that. Um, I mean, can you guys see one? Like, do you think that would be terribly unbalancing to change it that way? I think there might be more. Like, I think it might be more on a technical issue side of of why it's not done that way. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we do see, or maybe there, well, okay, so there is one balance thing that is a balance thing for very few subset of people, um, which is you might be able to do some really crazy things with mount swapping 
uh, and jumping that might sort of kind of break the game-ish. But, I mean, you can only break the maps with these things like nobody's business anyway, so... I mean, they could just... They already make it so that you can only dismount when you're on the ground and only mount when you're on the ground, so I feel like that shouldn't, you know, uh, cross your cross your chest or whatever when you're saying the phrase, but it shouldn't be that hard in this case to limit that functionality to only on the ground um, since it already is. Yeah. Um, and if you're already on the ground, then there's really no problem because you already can do that. So... Yeah, I'm, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if there's if that's a quality of life update that comes at some point in the, in the future, because I would not put it past that from being something that they do once they once they actually work the tech out hmm. i mean maybe it, it seems like the type of thing that had to either be a like a really hard tech problem that they weren't going to bother investing in a fix or just sort of the way that they wanted it to work i i could be yeah. wrong but um i can't well, imagine that somebody didn't bring this up in design and or testing yeah, well, and there there is the whole issue of Anet has a lot of developers, and they have a fair number of coders, but you only have so many coders, and there is a lot of like little things that they've done in this in this one in this expansion that maybe they just didn't have the time. I mean, they they've been working on it for a while, but I wouldn't put it past it just being a time issue where they said, "Well, can we we'll put it off, and if we have time to do it near the end, we'll do it," but. That we have like five million other things that we need you to actually do to make sure that this thing works. That's a fair point. I feel like having now begun to live within the software development environs, uh, I can I can understand why there's so many things where it's just like you know what we just if we get to it we get to it otherwise now nah, let it be. Sure, and it's not game breaking, you know, so that definitely right. puts it low on the priority list. <laughs> it it works. It is functional. Um, that's fair. So yeah. So did um, you guys? What, what order yeah, did ahead. you guys get the mounts in? Did you get them? To me, it seemed like sort of the quote unquote default way would be to have, um, you know, to have gotten raptor and then the rabbit and then the uh, flip the floater. <laughs> what do you call it, stupid thing? The skimmer. The skimmer. <laughs> yeah. There or you go. as our uh, good friend Hunter from the. Uh, uh, host of Ascalon podcast says uh, the fly fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the freaking manta ray. Um, yeah, that seems like the sort of intended way to get them. But you can definitely just go into those other maps sort of whenever you want. So you know, you you don't have to get or or do you need do you need the um? You do actually. It's kind of a bummer. Um had a lot of people in, in guild looking to get all the mounts right away because you very quickly realize once you start getting out of M noon that you're going to need mounts to get to a lot of the masteries. So a lot of people have been asking, you know, in guild chat, how do I get my mounts? Uh, and we sort of quickly found out that for the Raptor, you, or sorry, not the Raptor, for Springer, you must have Raptor 3. Even if you can get up there without it, the heart itself just won't appear until you have Raptor 3. Oh, really? Um, That's kind of clunky. Yeah. I'm not certain what the requirement is for the skimmer. I think it's also Raptor 3. And then Is it for Raptor 3 Jackal, or is it need... narrative? It's Raptor 3. Oh, that's right, because I got I it before they gave it to you in the story. That's right. Uh, so, 
yeah, and then Jackal is is can be done with Springer three, but I think it's intended to be done with uh, Skimmer three. But yeah. you at least uh, you have to have one of those two up to three. Yeah, but so. you need you really need the Skimmer to actually get to the location, so you need to at least have Skimmer unlocked. Yeah, I think that's true. So you kind of do have to do them in order, and I think that's a bit of a disappointment. Would have been fine, I think, if you, they had just let you get them. I, I'm not sure if it's that. I mean, it's a little. It might be a little bit disappointing, but I was actually okay with it. Like, it's not that bad to power through, and and literally, if you have one account, you only have to do it once. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I also agree. It's not that bad to power through, but who gives a flip if you do it out of order? Maybe Arena Net, but I certainly don't. If somebody's like. All I want in this life is a sand dog. And they go, <laughs> I don't know, I sounded like Christopher Walken for half a second there. <laughs> so they, you know, they book it through three zones to get it. And then they get there and find out that they can't because yeah, I actually, reasons. So someone from the WW Guild that I'm a part of was whispered me as like, hey, you're you're in the, uh, the desolation where this where the dogs are. Uh, can you help me get to the dog? I'm like, I have no idea where it is, but we worked together. We found it and I went and got the dog and I was super excited. And then they were like, I don't have tier three skimmer or, or, or bunny. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Tier skimmer. I feel like skimmer is the mount. Well, really both skimmer and the blink dog uh, are both, both feel like their key appeal doesn't come at all until tier three. Like at least the rabbit, you can get to a fair number of places just with tier, you know, just with the base mount and same with mm -hmm. the Raptor, but the skimmer, it's like, Hey, my ability is to hover up a few feet. Is it high enough to get <laughs> literally anywhere that I want? That's near water. <laughs> no, no, it's really true. Like, <laughs> It's like the saddest fish in the sea, and Aww. it literally can't get you. I was like, oh man, I finally got the skimmer. I can finally go get that stupid point right by Amnoon. Nope. Or maybe you can, but like it didn't, it, uh, it did not go very far. And I was just like, mm, why can you not, why can you have an ability that basically does nothing? And same with the, same with the blink dog. Like the teleport is neat, but you don't ever need the teleport for anything. Everybody wants the blink dog for the frickin' warp portals that are everywhere and taunting you, and you oh, can't use it. I love that so much. Being taunted? Yeah, I love seeing the warp portals and being like, I am coming back to you later, and then well, doing so, and me it, too. I and really like it. Then I went back later, and it was like, oh, but you need tier three. You got this oh. stupid blink dog, but you literally still can't. And I was like, what? Yeah, there no. were several times... When I first got the dog, when I first unlocked it, I like ran up to a portal and I was just running into it, running into it, running into it, going, why is this not working? <laughs> it took me like a good 15 minutes to actually figure out why it wasn't working and actually read the masteries and go, oh, I need tier three. That's unfortunate. So, yes, it, it was kind of frustrating, actually. Yeah, that's true. While you're waiting to get tier three. Yeah. But like we said, tier three comes much faster than, you know, it, it, it yeah. hasn't been that big of a deal. And as of this podcast, I am tier three in all of the four main mounts. So, you know, it's it's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, okay, we're an hour in. I feel like we haven't talked about anything. Um, oh, but my God. <laughs> here we are. Um, what? Uh, 
let's let's talk about collection some because you mentioned that at the very beginning that you wanted to talk about it later sure. and uh, now seems as good a time as any okay so collections i have really enjoyed that um there have been a lot of collections not necessarily sure if that's a good or a bad thing yet on one hand i've really enjoyed completing a whole lot of them uh you know just naturally having them having them come in and then and working on them naturally as i progress through the zones uh has been great uh but on the flip side there are a lot of collections a lot a lot of collections a lot of them and it's almost i I mean i guess i I will just say it, it is overwhelming the amount of collections i think a lot of people as well this is one of my big uh overarching concerns about the expansion is visibility of content so there I've generally felt everything that I've found is good content, but thinking, you know, a couple weeks from now, a month from now, a few months from now, what is going to make people come back to these maps? I think a lot of people who have come back for the expansion will not find collections compelling content, or or even, even then, like, they might not realize that they are content so I, mean, I don't want to get into it too much but you can think about like uh previous exam there there are uh collections that have story to them that are effectively quest lines but are not treated as such and so once that um you know once that pop-up goes away those people who aren't here for achievement points they're not gonna go digging in their achievement panel for like oh what can i do in this game they're just gonna go oh i don't see anything in front of me to do so i've run out of content but that's not necessarily true. There, are, there have been some very good collections that have bits of story content, extra lore to them, uh, you know, guide you to parts of the world you may nev- have never seen without doing that collection. So collections have effectively taken on the role of being quests, but because we don't have a quest log, uh, you know, they're hidden inside tooltips, inside an achievement, inside the achievement panel, inside your hero panel. And that's where these stories are. So that, I think, you know, they, they've kind of flirted with it in the past, like having these collections that are like that. And now with this expansion, they've really gone full bore on that. I don't think I like that. I really, like, I never thought that I would be sitting here going, God, I wish we had quests. But boy, I do. I wish we had quests because keeping track of these things keeping track of the story of these things when there's uh, dozens of them going on at the same time is just not, I can't do it. (laughs) I can't keep up with this stuff. So I think that that has been a bit of a disappointment to me where it's clear where they're trying to pull on this system that's not meant to convey these stories, to convey them, and it works okay. But I kind of wish that, you know, they had just done something better. Uh, which I think in this case would have been quests, which is a bit of a shame because that was it was like the whole thing that like Guild Wars Two has no quests and that's great. And I'm sitting here five years on, going, you know, it would be great quests. Yeah, if nothing else, then from a UI perspective, I have definitely been feeling the shell shock of collection Armageddon. Like <clears throat> there was just just even as a simple example, on the very first day, I noticed a collection pop up, and it was for one of the armor pieces. And you have to combine, for each map, you have to harvest a specific type of node. And as a drop out of those nodes, you will sometimes get an item in your inventory that once you have 10 of, you double click and it turns into a new item. And so there's one of those 
sets for each map. And I I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I can do that as I'm going. Whatever. I'll, I'll mine all of the things and harvest all of the things. And by the way, that's kind mm-hmm. of a clever way to get you to actually participate in that kind of stuff. Because after five years, you kind of stop. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And then a couple days went by and I didn't have any of the items yet. And I was like, hmm, what? Okay, maybe there's something I'm missing. And I was like, what is this collection even called again? And then in like the second map, I found one of them when I was harvesting a tree, I want to say. And then I was like, oh, this is one of those items I need. But since it's not the actual item for the collection, it is the one that you double-click 10 of to turn into the item for the collection. You can't right-click the item to say, show me collection. And this is only a transitory problem because eventually it'll be fixed. But Guild Wars Wiki also, GW2 Wiki, also has literally no information at all um, on anything in the expansion, basically. And so I was just like diving through these stupid collection menus and golly was that tedious. And when you're sort of like trying to keep your thumb on a half dozen or even a dozen collections all at once and like you want to go look at any one thing and trying to remember the name of it or trying to Mm -hmm. sort it by total completion and hoping that you remember the number of pieces that you have and need and like all all of those things and i was just just like oh this is i i like that i can do these activities to get things but boy is this messy um yeah i've been i've been wishing for a long time for like a specific collection ui as opposed to shoving them in achievements like i'm happy to get achievement points for them don't get me wrong but uh god i just wish they weren't all in in tabs and 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 tabs. Yeah, because like, um, oh gosh, there was a specific one I was just gonna say, and then now I've forgotten what I was gonna say. Um, oh yeah, um, this sort of ties into collections because there's also now mastery points that you get as a form of collections. Is that not crazy? Yes. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. that really threw me for a loop at first. Yeah. So there's a couple of mastery points on the map and you go and talk to them and they're they're an npc that's like hey help me do this thing and i and i was like wait what do you mean help you do this thing like mastery points are are like channeled or you know whatever but like what do you what do you want me to do and it wasn't an event and i finally realized to check my you know um check my ui somewhere i don't even remember where now and it was like, oh, there's a whole like host of locations all over this map that it wants me to find these things. Um, and there's sort of like hints in the when you hover over it. But otherwise, it's just sort of largely invisible. And I thought that was kind of really interesting. But at the same time, again, the UI aspect of it, it's like if I want to go back and do it, I just am sitting there thinking to myself, you know, OK, which which one was that? What was the name of that one again? Like. Okay, I'm looking for this hint based on this vaguely worded clue, which it's fine that they're vaguely worded, but then then when you have a struggle to actually find the one that you were looking for to then find the vague hint, and yeah, it's uh, the system is sort of bursting at the seams in a lot of ways, I feel. Yeah. But I have to say, at the very least, um, you know... I am I am happy that they're using their existing systems and using them fairly well 
these things are things that would be overhauls but would not be new systems particularly um so i think that you know again i remember back pre heart of thorns we were saying like yeah they built all this this groundwork and the question is are they gonna are they gonna actually use it or are they just gonna build a whole bunch of new groundwork again and it looks like the answer is that they are in fact using it so i mean that's that's great that's finally breaking the three years of arena net rebuilding the reinventing the wheel over and over again um yeah so i mean that's that's good i yeah don't want to be totally down on it because i think they've done a lot no, of great no. things with it yeah so i you know i've got a few gripes with it but overall i mean we can talk about this overall the content that i have experienced has all been excellent um in in quality across the board the the difficulty the the variation in it um the the side stories are really good um just to to go to different parts of the map and to find these little questions i mean one of the things we've been asking for for years is um you know the the main story is fine it's good it's whatever but the the story outside of the main story the world building kind of story hasn't necessarily been as good i mean it's there but uh hasn't been as captivating or relevant and i find that they did that really really well with the path of fire maps um the the big example i guess would be the sun spears who are all all over the maps um they've got fantastic event chains and and by doing those event chains across all the maps you 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 come to a greater understanding of uh, you know, where the Sun Spears are at at this point in time and, and what's been going on here and all these little stories about different characters. I think that they did a fantastic job of doing that with this expansion. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there was a really good one, although I guess it's a couple maps in, so maybe I shouldn't mention it, but I'm, I sort of worry that I'll forget about it. Um, did you see that post on Reddit today about the um, the kids playing Ascension? Yeah. Oh, so good. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we want to talk about that because that, <clears throat> like I said, we were trying to confine it to the first map, so that's that is definitely not the first map. But yeah, I do say I I the having all the collections like there's a lot of interesting things just from a Guild Wars one player's perspective to looking at the collections and going oh oh hey I know how this ties into the to the story too which is nice like the story of Guild Wars because there's a lot of these collections are sort of like oh here's a hint of like stuff from guild wars one that you can now go pick up and collect which i kind of like yeah there's a lot of uh guild wars one references and call callbacks i guess you could say um some of which are better than others i would say but i in general like i in general appreciate that we are returning to an area rich in guild wars one lore and story and you know very similar uh very similar to the core of guild wars 2 and not so much with heart of thorns we get to see what the past 250 years have done to the places that we were familiar with and that's a really cool feeling and i got that feeling a lot just from exploring in this expansion that you know just was not really present in heart of thorns because you know we'd never been there um so <clears throat> a combination of of as you said better better side storytelling better <sighs> environmental storytelling i guess you'd say and then also bringing it back to leverage what we already had um 
has really done a lot to make the world feel more uh i don't know kind of lived in yeah yeah i will say these maps definitely feel a lot more lived in which i think fits because this is a place where 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 humans have inhabited for a really long time so you get that history whereas the maguma jungle is like a place you're going in and like the only people that have lived there are a bunch of tree frogs that only use dead tree branches to build everything so there's no like science or development yeah and then glowy people maguma was like one giant battlefield (laughs) the whole all of the maps uh this is you know this has got a lot more it's got a lot more civilization in it a lot more people you know that this is more of a place where people actually live yeah 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 okay well is there anything else you guys want to cover tonight or should we just break it off here because you know um um i mean we can we can break it off because i i feel like we can mine this this guy for a while uh i think that uh i mean there's there's going to be just a lot of stuff to talk about um so much stuff should we just say maybe to wrap it up um initial feelings on path of fire compared to heart of thorns sure yeah i think that's a good way to wrap up so spirit what are your initial comparative feelings um well i think path of fire has a much stronger opening i think it's been very well received across the board where heart of thorns wasn't so much um i think they have done a great job of improving pretty much everything the elite specs all feel very good so far the the story is great. The open world content is great. Uh, the masteries are all all great, even with the drawbacks that we've we've been talking about this whole episode. Everything has been really, really good, and I like I mean that it's been a very good expansion. It, it reminds me of uh, you know going back to Guild Wars One, the the difference between Prophecies and Nightfall, where you can just tell that they got so much better at at their own game. Uh, so it's it's really cool to to see it have grown so far, and I'm I'm really excited for what's coming if they continue to improve in this way. Eric, how about yourself? Uh, I really like it. I I think I it's so different from Heart of Thorns that for me it's really hard to compare the two. I feel like they both scratch a different itch than what. I might uh, get from something else, um, like if that makes sense. it's. Yeah. It feels more like there's a. This one feels like it's giving a lot more of that open world vibe, whereas I guess Heart of Thorns felt like it was very focused on the mechanics of Guild Wars two, rather than rather than necessarily the world and and that sort of thing. So there was a lot of mechanical like crunchiness to Heart of Thorns. Uh, just from how hard it was to survive in the jungle and how you had to figure out, okay, well, how does my character actually function against these guys with all, with significant health, high damage, and all that. Whereas in Path of Fire, you sort of have this go out, explore. The, the mob density in most places is not that hard. But I will say there are some definite areas in Heart of Thorn or in Path of Fire where you can find that crunchiness. And I think it's an interesting sort of more of an explorer's expansion pack than a fighter's expansion pla- pack from my from my perspective. So I think that they both do two very different, they target two very different audiences in many ways. Yeah, I think they complement each other well as well. Yeah, 
So if you I if you get that, both of them, you get a little bit of each of those things, and it, overall, it's it's contributed to a very good all around game, I think. Yeah, and I think that it's going to be really good because I think there's going to be two contingents. There's going to be two groups that say Pathfinder best expansion, and others that will say no, it's it's definitely Heart of Thorn, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think. Well, first, I want to say that the any issues I have with Path of Fire are greatly mitigated by the price point. Um, you know, when you look at paying $30 versus 50 or 60 uh, it's a lot easier to forgive minor annoyances or design decisions that you may not like as much. So I think that that's really awesome right off the bat. I mean, not to get, not to get sort of out of game meta, but uh, just that alone is really nice. I think that... I think that I the the way that I would describe path of flame fire path, fire path fire, of fire path of fire um the way I would describe it is more consistent in general I think that heart of thorns perhaps had some higher highs but it definitely had some lower lows and that goes in nearly nearly every facet I can think of so if we're talking about map design, the these maps, and this is something that we talked about a little bit in the pre-release episodes, um, they're very much designed around mounts, much like Heart of Thorns maps were designed around gliding. And as a result, they are much larger, but also a lot flatter in general. There's not a whole lot of vertical elevation change or if they are it's like in one specific place in the map versus like sort of the whole map having these giant multi-tiered multi-layered things and so like i said it's just it's more consistent in that it's more consistently designed terrain ways but uh so the advantage to that is it's much easier to navigate than heart of thorns was as a beginner in heart of thorns people were lost so much of the time like it yeah having three or four layers of height that all were relevant on every map uh, was a lot to process and very hard to visualize especially getting between those layers whereas this this game doesn't this expansion doesn't really have that issue but at the same time none of the maps that i have been in so far have because i haven't actually finished all the maps yet i haven't been to the final map uh, so maybe some of this will change, but thus far none of the maps have made quite as strong of an impression on me as uh, Verdant Brink did, or to a certain extent, um, uh, Tarir. What's the Oric Basin? Oric Basin. Thank you. Um, those two maps really hit it out of the park for me in Hot, but Tangled Depths and um, Dragon Stand were a lot less so for different reasons, but. Like those were sort of the low points for me, whereas the first two maps were really high points. They really instilled that sense of wonder, and I'm getting that less in this expansion, but like not in a bad way. Just like I said, it's sort of more the neutral, like the the mellow point. And there's definitely some areas that are really really cool, um, but as a whole, I feel like the expansion is just a lot more steady, a lot more consistent, and I think that's a good. I think it's a very good user experience and and that's good. So like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that sounds negative, but I don't mean it that way. <laughs> um like consistent is good. I I've been able to just sort of play it 
you know, a few hours a day and just like keep sort of plugging away at things. And yeah, it, it's it's good. But uh, and but like I said, again, any complaints? Again, the the price point makes a huge difference too. Like I am not disappointed in the expansion at all. Like it's I think it's providing a very good value and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that are back that just haven't been logging on very much lately. So, if nothing yeah, else... Yeah, that is one thing I will say, is a lot of people have come back for this one that left it for hot. Or that left before Heart of Thorns, Heart of Thorns because Heart of Thorns didn't do anything for them from, like, what, what ArenaNet was saying. They were just like, meh, that doesn't seem like something I'm interested in. So, that has been really kind of interesting to see all those people coming back and uh, and really being pretty excited about the expansion pack. Yeah, yeah. And as we said during this episode too, and, and Spirit really nailed it as well, it really has shown that they've finally gotten comfortable in the skin of this game's engine. And everything that everything that they're doing in this game that's carried over from Heart of Thorns or the base game is executed much better on average. Um, and yeah, so like that's 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 great. I mean we have i think we have a lot of instances where we can just say it's like yeah this was kind of painful in the first attempt but this but in in path of uh fire like it's executed much better like they they know what they're doing with the system now it's not an experiment anymore and uh, that's that's great so there's my 40 cents i gave an answer that was like both of yours <laughs> combined and longer um but that shouldn't be unexpected at this point, I guess. So with that, it's now been nearly an hour and a half, and we've only scratched the surface of things to talk about. So we will be back fairly consistently for a few weeks here at the very least, if not a couple months, because there's just a ton of stuff to talk about, and I can only assume that more stuff uh, will come up as patches happen. So we'll be playing and as both. We... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll be playing catch-up sure. and playing... Uh, you know pay attention to the new stuff and learning new things yeah there's a lot of stuff to talk about so uh thank you for listening thank you for joining me uh hosts and we will be back next week this has been another episode of relics of or if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr if you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.